0: Hi, this is your host Pete Bloom. Welcome to American Heroes Network. Our core mission is serving the brave men and women who have sacrificed to ensure our freedom. You will hear true stories from those that have served, learn about veteran organizations and resources, and gain hope for your future knowing American Heroes Network, your community, and other veterans are here and at the ready to serve and help you and your family. We will talk about the hard topics like PTSD and TBI. You will also hear military history, inspirational stories, learn about networking with the community, and more. So come join us and be part of our family. Today's guest is a Marine combat veteran who served in Iraq. He uses his talents as a visual storyteller and a multimedia producer and instructor to help military veterans and others tell their stories on a completely different level. And he assists transitioning veterans and those with disabilities to build new relationships and skill sets. He's the co-founder and curator of Grow With Media and the founder and owner of Never Forgotten Media. I would like to welcome Michael Wood. Michael, thank you for serving and how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the show today.
0: Michael, before we just jump right into it, I wanted to say that I love something personal that I saw in your bio description. It shows me that you're enjoying life and you have a sense of humor. What you said was that when you're not knee-deep in pre-production, you enjoy unicorn pony puppet shows with your three little princesses and your wife. That was really great. So please tell us about your family and life at home right now. Cause it sounds like you're really loving it.
1: Yes. So it's definitely interesting. I've got an army wife. She served in the army, so we've got a joint household and how things are run. Typically she tells me how to run it, but uh, anyways, <laughs> we have three little girls together between the ages of five and a half, three and a half and two and they are all into princess ponies unicorns and so anything of a normal marine life doesn't exist with a bunch of girls in the house it's a different world but i definitely enjoy it we've got two older boys too and so transition between the two different perspectives is refreshing. And also, you know, I made fun of my buddy because he had two girls and I was like, I don't know how you do it. And this is my payback for it. So,
0: (laughs) you know, the great part is, is that you could still get away with the camouflage thing in the household, but a lot of times it's going to be pink camouflage now, right?
1: Yes. So there is a mixture of pink because, you know, mama was army. And so there's pink camouflage stuff and it's interesting mixture, but for me, it's a, you do what you do to take and have fun and take care of your family. And so if I've got to do unicorn puppet shows, then I'm going to do it. And my wife's going to laugh at me and that's okay.
0: It says a lot about you as a man and a father that you're willing to do that. So I just think that your family is really lucky to have you to just be there to play along and to have fun. And but something that in the military, we don't get a lot of, sometimes we're deployed and we don't get to see them. And so it just thrills me that you're being able to enjoy that time and do what you're doing. And I totally understand too. I've got four of my own, three older ones are girls. And the oldest one is 30 now. But then I got one boy who is 13 still at home. And it's an adventure every single day with these kids.
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
0: So tell us about when you joined the military, your rank, what job you did when you served Michael.
1: So I joined the Marine Corps in I want to say 95. I grew up in Louisiana. I was actually born in Colorado and grew up in Louisiana. And the town that I lived in, Barksdale Air Force Base is very prominent. It's one of the larger Air Force bases. So I always seen the military as a career profession that was very highly regarded, had a lot of great benefits. And then I went and joined the Marine Corps And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What happened to all that, uh, you know, nice green lush lawns and, uh, you know, the big pool and the big houses. But one of the things in the Marine Corps that I really enjoyed was that camaraderie of really getting together and, you know, the team focus mentality. And it's just sort of helped me to refine my drive of helping people. So in the Marine Corps, I was a transportation chief besides Security and all the other, but pretty much uh my occupation was transportation, so I did a lot of work, a lot of deployments with infantry and special force units, and so just being on the ground out there all the time just gave me a different perspective of life and working with people to get things done.
0: you know you said you really liked the camaraderie and stuff like that, and we have some similarity in what we did in the Marine Corps I did logistics, so I was always loading tractor trailers and five tons and three tons and stuff like that so i've spent a lot of time with those guys and i enjoyed the camaraderie as well so after all that going through what you did in the military you said you enjoyed the camaraderie but then at some point you went to iraq and so what was life like for you when that occurred and eventually when you came home
1: one thing i was going to mention is if you also uh, did logistics and loaning a deuce and a half then i know what era you were in but anyways Life in the Marine Corps in a combat zone, It um, it's funny when you're young and you come into the military, you get this gung-ho, you pretty much feel like you're invincible. And if you're just training all the time, you're wasting your expertise because you're not in a combat zone. And then you actually go to a combat zone and you experience combat. It changes things in so many different ways. So it was a struggle in a sense for me because... One of the things when you're in the middle of the city and you're getting shot at with RPGs, nothing else exists out of that moment. You're worried about your Marines on the ground, making sure that they're safe, making sure that they're returning fire or identifying whatever threat. And that is your family. And so many times I struggled with that concept because as soon as things would quiet and calm down and we're back in the compound, and then I'm thinking about my kids at home. And in the moment of combat, I'm not thinking about, oh, I need to get home. I'm thinking about the Marine left and the Marine to right to me and, you know, making sure that they have the tools that they need to stay alive and get the mission done. And so I felt a struggle constantly because in that moment, my kids didn't exist just because of the nature of things. And it wasn't until later that I was like just sort of torn, I guess, between my boys, my Marines, and my boys. And so I ended up making the hard decision later on, and uh, I took and uh, left active duty. After 12 years of active duty, I took and decided it was time to refocus my life. Plus, you know, joint pain and all the other kind of stuff. It made it a little bit easier of like, you know what, I need to refocus my well-being, my health, and my family. So I decided to uh, leave active duty and I had so many that thought I was crazy walking away from a full retirement and all that kind of stuff. But here we are.
0: You know, that's really funny because another thing we have in common that I didn't quite realize is I kind of did the same thing, except I got out at 11 years. After 11 years in service, I made that decision and people again thought, oh, you're not going to get out. Well, yeah, I did. And, you know, combination of things, you know, a little knee trouble, a little of the fact that I wanted to do IT and I was in logistics. And so I decided to get out and do that. So yeah, there are things that make us make that decision. And I would say that, you know, you thinking about the boys at home, I mean, family is one of the main things that I think is an impact and how we feel about our time in the military. Just to being able to see them every day is awesome. And I know I missed out a lot on seeing the kids because of deployments. So that's a tough one. And I totally respect that decision. So when you did make that decision, you decided to get out. Was that transition from the military easy or hard for you?
1: It was a mixture because the expectations that you have when you're on active duty is that your skill sets are easily transferable and everybody wants to take and help you and you'll get a job offer right away. And as long as you have a certain skill set that translates easily into the civilian sector, that works great. For me, it wasn't until like after that six month period from leaving active duty that i realized that I missed a lot of things about the Marine Corps, about being in a structured environment. And you had a support system in place. Whereas once you leave the military, it's completely different. It's on your own. So it was sort of a long process because at that time too, when I left active duty, I wasn't medically retired or I didn't have any diagnosis or anything like that. But I did have a lot of migraines. I did have a lot of struggle with like PTSD type symptoms and stuff. And so not having that support system really didn't help until I started working with the reserve reins. Just naturally, I'm drawn to helping others and sort of the mentoring role. And so I quickly started seeing traits and signs that I was like, hey, maybe there's something more that I need to get an expert opinion on what's going on with my migraines and anger issues and stuff like that. So it took a little while, I'd say it took about a year or two to like really understand what was happening from combat stress and that kind of aspect. And so I was diagnosed with a TBI and a PTSD and a bunch of other stuff with the VA health problems. And so I think it would have helped if I had known about that stuff sooner.
0: Yeah, that is one of the challenges of... Transition from the military is just having all the facts. And there are so many more programs that are out there today than I know there used to be. And I try to help with as many of those as I can, you know, by providing mentorship or coaching, counseling, just support, finding jobs and things like that. And I know we're going to talk about some stuff that you do too to help transitioning military and veterans. So that's really awesome. And I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Michael, for your own story, challenges, success. Can you just tell me a little bit about your path since you did transition?
1: So when I did leave active duty, one of the things that I could no longer make excuses about was just finishing my personal higher education. I was one of those leaders that would tell my Marines, if you go take a class, I'll let you go early and I'll make sure that you're progressing in that realm. But I look back at it, it was sort of an excuse because school wasn't easy for me. And come to find out later, with dyslexia and other learning disabilities, with memory issues, with TBI and stuff like that, that was a road that was much more difficult than I thought. I already knew it was going to be difficult. It was just, it ended up taking a much longer time. In my first semester, I failed my first class and I was like, okay, I need to reevaluate things. During that time, I was also working with a nonprofit that was teaching Wounded Warriors the media arts as an employable skill set. And working with those wounded warriors, I just saw the impact that storytelling had not only on them, but also on me. I'm a problem solver. I like fixing things, but I also like stories. I like telling stories. And I've always dabbled with video production and editing as a hobbyist or as an amateur throughout my life. And so When I went through this program and I just really jumped in with both feet because I saw the impact that it can have on a Marine, on a veteran that finds a new skill set that they get excited about. As soon as you have a new purpose and a new belief system and a belonging to something, it solves a lot of issues that a lot of us struggle with in loneliness and missing the military. So for me, this was something that I wanted to carry forward and make sure that it's within our community. And so five years ago, I started my production company, Never Forgotten Media, and it's been focused on carrying forward that opportunity for transitioning veterans to learn the media arts, get on sets, work with the camera, get in the editing bay, start telling stories, helping clients connects their messages with their audience and at the end of the day i'd say about 75 percent of the veterans that i work with it ends up opening up a door that they never seen before and they don't stay in the production element but now they're working at uh, cox communication or they're working at ge because it just opened up a new door a new relationship and uh that's all I'm about is just that next step in life and, you know, just helping them get to where they're going with their whatever goals that they might have. And then, you know, with the clients that we have here that I work with, a lot of them are either nonprofit or they do a lot with veterans. So it's a great space to be in. And I hope that it keeps growing.
0: You know, Michael, even on the basic level, I really like storytelling. And, you know, you you talk about visual storytelling. And I think that that really gives veterans, their spouses, valuable tools to really move things forward. Because when you think about it, you know, they're getting out of the military and they go through TAP and they learn to, oh, you got to do your resume and, you know, some of these very basic things. And that doesn't really tell them how to communicate, It doesn't tell them how to express themselves, It doesn't tell them how to handle an interview. And they don't get any practice, you know, without doing something that involves storytelling or visual storytelling, because I think that to make a connection, to make a relationship, to make someone interested in you, they definitely need that. They need to be able to do the storytelling and capture someone's attention. And so Never Forgotten Media really does that. And I think that that is just such a nice tie in and a super helpful step for veterans and their families. So. I love that. So has your military experience kind of helped you survive in the civilian world at all, or is it more like stuff that you had to learn after you got out of the military?
1: I would say it's twofold. So when I left active duty and, you know, started down that path in my education, they also pulled me on the reserve side. So initially, you know, like, oh, I do this one week in a month type thing. I got to do it during the week, you know, working with active duty and then I ended up coming back on the orders to develop the program and pretty much what it was, was a, a transition program for Marines that were leaving active duty, going into the reserves, talking about their opportunities and stuff like that. And so I was in that space of transition for quite a few years and trying to improve it and trying to improve, you know, the Marine Corps system and the ideology that someday you're going to transition. And so how can we do that better? And so I was going down to the career planner school, you know, and just trying to push the idea of like, hey, we need to get this. When they're in boot camp that one day you're going to leave the Marine Corps. So you need to start thinking about that. And what I realized there was two folds with that is that, one, you're asking the Marine Corps that does really well at what it does because it's really focused on mission and getting the job done with less, not preparing its Marines to leave the organization, the second thing was I also realized that what I was trying to do and ask an organization to do was like asking Sony to train its employees to go to combat. It doesn't make sense. Sony can try and you know bring the experts in, but at the end of the day, that's not their focus and their mission. So for me, coming into the civilian sector, bringing all this knowledge into the workforce. And so for me, it was another transition And I was really pushing on moving into the corporate world because I thought that my skill sets would be able to make the most impact there. And so it was interesting because I struggled with that format of trying to fit in to that corporate culture. So after failing with that a couple of times and just multiple interviews and at the end of the day, it was that storytelling piece that really helps me connect with people And I saw the value of helping others and these organizations that I was actually interviewing for and corporate communication and that aspect of like my skill sets can help you on a completely different level. And you're just going to have to hire me for your production elements because many times you can't afford somebody to be in house producing all your content. So that's when I took and shifted focus again. And was like, okay, we're going to make this happen. And, uh, I can still make an impact in the corporate world, but then also I have more ability of providing opportunity for veterans transitioning in this space instead of just being in the corporate nine to five and here's what I did and here's what I did and here's what I did. This worked for me, this didn't, but there's a lot of connections and resources that I now know because of going through those processes. So for me being in this space, just understanding the different world's in the transition. So every time a Marine or somebody that I start working with, that mentorship is not just one-sided. It's coming from different perspectives, more further developed instead of just going from a military career right into a corporate role and knowing nothing else.
0: You know, you said it was kind of tough getting to the point to fit in and trying to make that adjustment and everything. But honestly, listening to you and what you do And you being in the transition space, it just sounds like definitely the perfect spot for you. And I think that you fit in great with all that you're doing to help others. How do you manage to connect with your community?
1: Well, one of the things, you know, I do volunteer with a couple of uh, nonprofit organizations, volunteering, you know, with the Veterans Writing Group of San Diego. They're all different genres or generations and uh, all kind of different levels of writers. I actually got my wife roped into it and so she's doing a lot of the writing. But you know, writing for us in our house is pretty important even if I'm not writing every day. Because of the writing group, I was invited to go to the writers guild. And that's actually where I met my wife was for a veterans writing retreat up there. But besides the veterans writing group, there's another organization called Vetsy Tap. They provide tap like classes, but Most of the staff and most of the mentors in the program are HR professionals. So they are providing resources and expertise on a whole different level for the Marines that are transitioning. So being a part of that, the veteran community is not just being a part of it, but participating in it. And then a lot of the projects that I do are connected to the veteran space. And so for me, that community is where I'm the most productive is just helping others out. And obviously being a veteran myself is just that piece of helping Marines, helping any transitioning veteran. At the end of the day, that's my best case scenario. I feel happy there. I'm making the world a better place by being in this space and this community with veterans.
0: Yeah, we feel exactly the same way. I even do some stuff with Veterati. And so yeah, counseling, coaching, it's just so important. Helping these others just to stay on the right path. Well. I know you're doing a couple other things, too, to help veterans. Feel free to mention those as well. I know you had mentioned a summit and another program, Lights, Camera, Access. Please tell us about those.
1: This summer, I've partnered with Lights, Camera, Access, and they are a program that has been successfully running summits, career exploration summits, and championing those that have been really promoting or changing inclusion in the film and media industry. So they've been holding these summits in New York and L.A. for almost the last 10 years. It's pretty amazing when you walk in the room and there's some big star names in there. You know, you run into an actor that's blind, somebody that's deaf and somebody that's in a wheelchair. And they're excited about their career and helping others. And so these young adults that come to these summits, they have a passion And they just didn't know how to take and translate it into the career that they wanted it to be, working behind the camera, in front of the camera, in the edit bay. And so I partnered with them last October, went to a couple of their summits as a mentor. So now we have a summit that is focused just for veterans in San Diego on June 7th, 2020. And so this career exploration summit will just be... For those veterans that have a disability or their caregivers or spouse that's interested in film, media, TV, production, editing, even video games, this summit sort of explores the different elements, the different resources. We'll have mentors. We'll have a panel of veterans that have made their careers in the media and then workshops on talking about disability and how it can actually be an advantage depending on what industry and how to present it instead of a, I don't want to talk about it type thing. I'm pretty excited about it and they're an amazing team. And so we're excited that San Diego gets its first veteran lights camera access in June.
0: So this is the inaugural event and you get to be part of setting it up and making it happen. And are you going to be like a presenter, speaker, host, do you get to play another role in the event while it's going on live?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm one of the mentors. I'll be on one of the panels, and I'm one of the team leads for this event because it is a veteran-focused event. They have tried different ones in the past in different locations, but for San Diego, this is the first veteran-focused one. For me, it's a great combination because you know, initially, before I started my production company, I was trying to recreate the same training platform for veterans. the the nonprofit that I worked with, it was a struggle. And so partnering, we're able to maximize and pull different resources. And so they come with a background of expertise that has made all these other summits successful. And so for me, this is much easier than just going the road alone and trying to figure it out on my own. So I'm pretty excited about it. And at the end of the day, especially with spouses and caregivers, that have thought about something like this, this is a great opportunity for a safe space to go figure out if this is an industry that fits your needs and your career path.
0: Yeah, you know, it sounds pretty exciting and it seems to be a great fit for you because it seems like, you know, you're okay being a behind the camera person and in front of the camera person. I know you've even done some stuff with TEDx. So you're definitely in a great position to be part of something that's an inaugural thing. And helping to keep it going year after year. And I could see something like this being so immensely valuable for veterans and spouses and caregivers. Looking forward to hearing more about it once it kicks off and you know, maybe after the event, we could share some of the stuff that happened and spread the word on it some more. Is there a cost to veterans, spouses, caregivers? $1
1: billion. No, actually it's free. All they have to do is <laughs> sign up and just be ready to learn, just ready to be open-minded to explore you know, even for me, when I focused in, it was like, okay, this is what I'm really good at. And it's not until one of my mentors that came in and said, you know what, maybe you should think about this. Well, I don't like being in front of the camera. Being in front of people on stage and stuff has been one of my challenges. But over the years, it's just, you go out there and you do it, you know, and with good mentors, you listen to them and sort of take that next step, you know, push yourself. So at the end of the day, I'm glad that doing TEDx and all these different talking to crowds of Marines over 300, just about life after the military or just a uh, audience, it's work to do for me. I'm much more comfortable behind the camera, but at the end of the day, it's just pushing yourself. It's rewarding every time that they can do something new and push
0: yourself. Michael, I think you're doing great and I think you're setting a fine example And it's especially worth mentioning that you said it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's not your favorite thing to do. In transitioning from the military, I think that the number one thing that's most important is when the transitioning veterans have to go to a job interview after they've been in the military for 20 years, not having any idea what to say. And basically, it's almost like in the military, they're behind that camera because they're told what to do. They don't have to worry about anything. There's always orders. Then you have to get out and start over and... Applying, interviewing, and military personnel tend to, because of their time in the military, always go, We did this, we did that. And it's a different show now. You know, it's their story. They got to tell their story. And this is where the storytelling becomes so important. And they have to know how to say, I did this. I led these people. I accomplished this mission or objective or whatever. And I think everything that you're talking about is something that will give them a great advantage in that area to really be successful at interviews. And then, you know, further down the road, if you're going to obviously be a leader in the civilian community, you have to think back to standing in front of troops and military and giving a brief or whatever. Well, the same thing kind of applies in the civilian community. You know, if you're going to be a leader as well, again, then, you know, you're going to end up standing up in a boardroom possibly. So Yeah, got to get used to it, being in front of the camera, being on spot. It's just get comfortable, as you're saying, get used to it. Really some great feedback on that one. Other than talking about that specific thing, what kind of other action items would you give transitioning veterans in order to be successful?
1: The first thing of going out in there and challenging yourself, the Marine Corps was great at doing that. The military is great at pushing you beyond your physical and mental capabilities and having you grow, having you learn that you can do more. So you have to still carry forward that on your own. If you're in that interview, push to do better next time. Learn why it didn't go and don't just make excuses of, well, they didn't want to hire me anyways. You got to push yourself to figure out and get better. With that, you can't take and hold back and say, okay, well, I'm going to fail at this. You have to fail. The best way to take and learn something is to actually fail at it. Because if it comes easy and you do it, then you're not really learning anything. i get in my car and drive around every day. It wasn't because I took and got in a car when I was a kid and just started driving. It was a learning experience. So failing at something and failing at it quickly will help you grow much quicker than being safe about it, I guess. The last point I would also recommend is get a mentor. And get a second one because each person, each mentor has a perspective and a skill set expertise that you don't have access to in the military. And they don't have to be a military mentor. They can be civilian. You typically want to find that mentor that's in the space or the industry that you would love to move into. But with also getting that second mentor as many times you realize through that mentor that you don't want to do that industry or they help you see different aspects that you would benefit from having another mentor. And so then that way you're not consuming all their time. You're sort of spreading your questions. You're drawing insights from different points of contact instead of just one. Because if you don't have that mentor, it's like driving in the dark. (laughs) You got to turn some lights on and you got to have somebody to sort of point you in a good direction. Even if it's the wrong direction, you'll find out much quicker and getting to that failure point than if you just try to be safe about it and just go slowly on your own. So get a mentor and keep at it. Even for me in the space, I provide mentorship to veterans transitioning, but I still have mentors every day that I refer to that I look for insight and like, okay, I'm having this problem. It's a part of life. It's a part of growing as an individual and as a veteran is We're always seeking new knowledge and always seeking to better ourselves. And so mentors are really one of those key aspects.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd really like to drive that one home too. I totally agree. The mentorship basically provides... Skills from the industry that you're interested in, skills from somebody that's out in the civilian community and they've been out there for a while. So it's not all about the military lingo, buddy system. You know, we understand each other perfectly. It's about learning, like you said. They can teach you things that you know zero about. And just to hammer that home a little bit more, just going to mention two really great ones. It's free for veterans. And basically, Veterati is one of them. And I touched on it. I'm a Veterati mentor. And how that works is basically you sign up on their online platform for free and you basically can connect with as many mentors as you want to. It's like an hour call. And so you can schedule as many of those as you want a month based on availability of the mentors. They can be from different industries. There's no limit. So you can really maximize your learning of any industry and talk to somebody in that industry and really get perspective on different companies. ACP is the other one, American Corporate Partners. Their model's a little different. Instead of having a whole bunch of mentors, they give you one for a year. So you're working with the same person for a year. You might get on a call every single month. Could be more frequently based on your agreement with the mentor. And so that person helps guide you through you know, what you're trying to accomplish over that year period. And oftentimes you work with a mentor long enough and they're like, man, I just want you to work in my company. I mean, that could pay off big time as well. So two different approaches, both excellent programs. And Michael's absolutely right, you need to get involved. So make sure you do sign up for those and take advantage of those. When it doesn't cost anything, it obviously can't hurt, but it can provide you an immense amount of value. Michael, I got another question for you. Do you have any significant military history factor events that you might like to share with us today?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things... um In my mentor with ACP, you know, he's PR, communication. And so while he was sort of uh, with that year with that program and really dove more into the PR aspect, And one of the things that drew me into looking at how the Marine Corps does PR, public relations outside of the military from the uh, civilian facing. And what I realized is, I mean, one of the Marine Corps' most cherished leaders, Chesty Puller. It's a name of legend. And from the day of boot camp, we're, we're told that we have to be more like him. And he was an amazing leader. And one of the things that I found out in some of my research was that he had a son that also served, a Marine Corps officer. Chesty's son took can served during Vietnam. And he actually was injured in combat and came back home. He started creating a life after the military. He had a family and a couple kids and really was expanding his career. He won a couple of awards for publishing. And a couple of uh journalist friends really thought that he had made it outside of the military. In the military, he was also a an attorney. So he had a background of how law and how PR works. He ended up taking his own life. And it just blows me away that Shasty's own son took his life because he was dealing with things that many Vietnam and many generations they know they're struggling with things. Many times we take and we go to drugs and alcohol to take and sort of cope. And at the end of the day, when we look at another veteran, we look at somebody in our society and we're like, wow, they're doing great in their career. They're making a name for themselves. We're actually losing sights because we're not really checking in and saying, Hey, how are you doing? And being a friend. Because as soon as we just step down, oh, they've got it all figured out and I don't, so when I keep trying to do the best I can, they're struggling inside and we just don't see it. We don't need to lose another veteran or active duty just because we think they have it all figured out. You never know. So check in, ask. You, know, you bring up that point, Pete, it's just community, community with veterans and just being there for them and not just assuming that things are great all the time.
0: Wow, that's really impactful and makes you really think, so I'm really glad you shared that. And it's so true. I mean, you walk by people on the street, better or not, and you really don't know how they're doing, especially at times like now. The stress levels are high and people that you may think have a great life and everything they post on Facebook looks perfect, but we never have any kind of clue at all unless we really get to know them, check in with them and do like a buddy check. So very, very good advice. Wow. If people would like to reach out and talk to you about what they heard today and they want to learn more, or maybe have a discussion with you, get a little mentorship, or just find out more about Never Forgotten Media and some of the programs that you talked about today, how could they reach you? What's the best way you like to be contacted?
1: You can give me a call anytime. My cell phone number is 949-371-6427, or you can go to my website, neverforgottenmedia.com, Or also reach me at michael at neverforgottenmedia.com.
0: Awesome. I'm sure that people will be reaching out because you know the industry that you're in behind the camera, in front of the camera. It's an exciting industry. People love media and film and you never know where it could go. You could start speaking on stage and end up being an actor. Who knows? It's an exciting world. And I'm sure that you probably have many more stories that you can share of either personal things or people that you've met and their stories. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what comes out of this podcast today. I wanted to thank you so much. I really so much appreciate you sharing your time. And, you know, our goal is to help other veterans. And I know that you're all in for that. So thank you, Michael.
1: Well, thank you to you too, Pete, for what you're doing and just helping veterans and taking care of Florida and really reaching out with all the different programs. I'm pretty amazed at all the mentorship programs that you're connected with. And so I have a lot to strive towards.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to keep coming back each week for more great episodes. If you want to talk about something you learned today, if you have questions, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, go to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and click on Contact Us. Thank you for listening.